Open with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. We'll look at verse 37. It says, He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and do what? Watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, I, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. There were such heavy things going on in the garden that the disciples could not stay awake. <laughs> Some of you missed that. <laughs> uh, and he saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Is weak. Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 3, page 98, says this. The evidence of the weakness of his disciples excited the pity and sympathy of the Son of God. He questioned their strength to endure the test they must undergo in witnessing his betrayal and death. He did not sternly upbraid them for their weakness, but in view of their coming trial, he exhorted them, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Then his spirit moving in sympathy with their frailty, he framed an excuse for their failure in duty toward him. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. A time is coming where there will be a time of trouble upon this world such as never been seen. And at this time, the people of God cannot afford to have this verse be a reality. Romans chapter 7, verse 23. Romans chapter 7, verse 23. I want you to listen to what Paul says here. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You know what Paul's cry was? Deliver me from the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is what? Is weak. How many of you would like to be delivered from this flesh? I want to let you know that you do not have to wait until the resurrection to be delivered from this flesh. God has a plan to deliver us even now while we are in the flesh from the flesh. This is totally necessary, beloved, because in the last days we cannot afford to be weak in the flesh. We must be strong in the spirit. 
the title of our study this morning, An Out-of-Body Experience. An Out-of-Body Experience. In the book of Genesis, we are told that God made man in his what? In his image. And we understand that the devil comes along and he destroyed the image of God in man. By the way, this morning is going to be an intense Bible study. That's what we're doing this morning. Amen? Amen. So I hope you have your Bibles open and you're following with me. This this. This, uh, the enemy came in and destroyed the image of God in man. Well, what do you think God's plan was? To restore his image in us. It is at this point that man became subject to the flesh. He became a slave to the flesh. How does God plan to restore man in his image? How does God plan to restore broken man? Because that's what happened to us. The image of God was shattered in us. Mankind became broken by sin. God wants to do something with mankind. He wants to fix mankind. He wants to fix you. How many of you want to be fixed? God desires, beloved, to fix us. I want you to notice with me Romans chapter 5, verse 1. How does God fix us? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be justified? To be made right or to be made righteous. God's plan to restore man, to, to fix man, is to justify him, to, to, to declare him as righteous. How many of you want to be declared righteous? We, we are told that we are justified by what? By faith. We're also to- told down in verse 9, much more now than being justified by his what? Blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so we are justified or we are made right or we are fixed by faith. And faith in his what? In his blood. You see, all this, beloved, is leading us to a very powerful point. That if I want to be fixed, if I want to be made right, I must be justified by what happened where? At the cross. In fact, you'll remember in the Old Testament uh, uh, story uh, where, where God told Moses to make a brazen serpent and put it upon a pole. And what were the children of Israel supposed to do when they were bitten? They were to look at the serpent on the pole. Let me use another word for you. They were to fix their gaze upon the serpent on the pole. 
And when they fixed their eyes upon the serpent on the pole, what happened to them? They were what? Or fixed. How many of you want to be fixed? <laughs> Lord, I got a lot of problems. I want to be fixed. Lord, I don't want to get to the end times and, have the, the, and be weak in the flesh. Lord, I want to be fixed. I want to be right. I want to be a strong Christian. Lord, fix me should be our prayer. Jesus tells us <clears throat> that we must pick up our what? Cross and do what? Follow him. In other words, what Jesus is telling us when he says pick up your cross is that self must die. Do you know that's the only way to be fixed? Is to die. In fact, the way that God has designated to fix us, beloved, is through cruci. The word means to be fixed to a cross. You know, it's, it's, it's in other words, it's saying that, that, that God, when he, when, <laughs> God's designed plan to fix us is through the crucifix. It means to be fixed to the cross. What does it mean to be fixed? To a cross. You see, when Jesus was on that cross and they began to cry to him, you know, if you be the son of God, come down from the cross. Jesus could not come down from the cross because he was fixed. <laughs> fixed. To the cross, you've got to understand, beloved, what is the purpose of being fixed to the cross? What is the purpose of a nail? He was fixed to the cross by the nails, right? Listen, I want you to listen to Isaiah 41, verse 7. Just write it down. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering, and he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. What is the purpose of a nail? To hold something in place that it should not be moved. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7 verse 5. Romans chapter 7 verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions... Can you say that word with me? The what? The motions of sin which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Beloved, God wants to stop the motion of sins in our flesh. How is he going to do it? So now, somebody says to you, man, I don't like those shoes you're wearing. You get on my nerves. And whereas before, you would have been like, what'd you say? What? <laughs> now you're like. Oh. 
the things that I would, I can't do them. Why? Because I'm fixed. (laughs) That's what the cross, that's what God has designed, beloved. He puts an end to the motion of the flesh, to the strength of the flesh, so that in the end times, we're not, he no longer has to make an excuse for us. Oh, the spirit is willing. They want to do right, but the flesh is weak. What he's saying was, you're still in the flesh. But now he says, once you are fixed to the cross, the, the flesh is, it cannot move. <laughs> oh, boy, beloved, listen to me. Do you know that the cross puts an end to our criminal activity? <laughs> the cross is the place of execution. <laughs> because you understand, each of us has been put under a death sentence a glorious death sentence you see jesus tells us that the flesh must die is that good news or bad news it's good news that's a good death sentence you remember when god told um uh uh, adam in the garden adam in the day that you eat of this fruit you shall what surely die and what he was telling Adam was, Adam, if you sin, the, the result is you're, you must surely die. Beloved, I think there's something much deeper that we miss in that very passage. Because not only was he telling Adam, this is the result of sin, you must surely die. But I believe that in that verse, we might also see that God is giving the solution to sin itself. If you want to come back to me, you must surely die. There's no other way around it. You must die. This is your death sentence, and many of us are running from, we are, we are convicts on the loose. <laughs> Avoiding the place of execution. So it's interesting how the devil comes around and says, oh, you don't have to die. You shall not surely die. Come on, you don't have to die. Beloved, anytime you hear the voice, a voice telling you, you do not have to die, you know that that is the voice of who? The devil. In fact, when Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, listen, I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to die. You know what Peter did? Peter jumped in front of him and said, no, Lord, you shall not surely die. And you know what Jesus said to him? Get thee behind me who? How was he able to recognize that that was Satan? Echoing the first lie? You don't have to die. You can be a Christian and do your own thing. You don't have to die to self. You don't have to crucify self. Beloved, at the cross, I meet my demise. (laughs) At the cross, self meets his end. 
These verses then begin to take on new significance. Psalm 68, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. <laughs> Psalm 55 verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In fact, Psalm 57 verse 7 says this, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing praise. It's almost as though he's saying, My heart is stayed on you. It's fixed. It's not going to move anywhere. This word fixed in the Hebrew, uh, in Strong's Concordance, Hebrews 3, 5, 5, 9. Here's what this word is also used in Psalms 51 verse 10. It says, Create a right spirit in me. That's the word fixed. Right you want to be right with God? You have to be what? Fixed. It's used in Psalms 119, 133. Order my steps. Let not iniquity have dominion over me. How many of you don't want iniquity to have dominion over you? Your steps must be ordered. You want to be ordered after God? You must be what? Fixed. Psalms 93, verse 1. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he has girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. That's the word right there. Established. It's translated as established. How many of you want to be established in the Lord? Amen. You got to be what? Fixed. Proverbs 4, 18. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect. Day, same Hebrew word, fixed, is translated as perfect. Anybody want to be perfect? You got to be. May I share something with you? It is impossible for any living man to be perfect. It is. It's totally impossible. Die, and you'll be perfect. <laughs> That's it. Die. Jesus says the flesh must die. You ever kick a perfect man? A dead man, rather? Or oh, I hate you. Mm. What does he do? Nothing. You ever spit on a dead man? I hope you have never spit on the. Let me not ask these questions. You understand what I'm saying? Dead men don't respond. First Corinthians 16:30, fear before him, all the earth, the world also shall be stable, that it shall not be moved. How many of you want to be stable? That's the word, they're fixed. Therefore, beloved, in the last days, we must be perfect, stable, faithful, fixed, established, ordered, right in order to make it through the final conflict fixed righteousness by crucifixion are you following me righteousness being justified by his blood he says pick up your cross follow me be crucified be crucified because what happens beloved is when we are crucified the flesh dies we are no longer subject to the flesh it is an out of body experience how many of you would like an out 
of body experience. Some of you still looking at me, out of a pastor, you say, <laughs> God calls us to walk not in the flesh, but in the what? Spirit. He's calling for an out of body experience. Manuscript releases 148. Here's what Ellen White says. The new birth is a rare experience in this age of the world. This is the reason why there are so many perplexities in the churches. Many, so many who assume the name of Christ are unsanctified and unholy. They have been baptized, but they were buried alive. Self did not die, and therefore they did not rise to newness of life in Christ. The new birth is a rare experience. Beloved, I don't believe we understand just the, the power that is behind the new birth experience. Jesus wants us to die to the flesh and to live in the spirit. Do you realize, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the what? Son of God. What a title. The Son of God. Do you realize that the devil challenged this title Throughout Jesus' whole life. This was a powerful title. Son of God. Remember they were like, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? Remember that? You're trying to deny that he was who? The son of God. They, they, they oftentimes, you know, you found the Jews, we're going to stone you. Why? Because he called himself the what? Son of God. In the wilderness, if you be. The son of God. You see, you got to understand there was a reason why the Jews were so angry when Jesus said, I'm the son of God. Because what he was claiming was that the father was his actual father. How, how dare you? You're making yourself equal with God is what they were saying. And Jesus was indeed God. We understand that. But the title assumed that, that the father was his actual father. We don't understand what it means to be born again. I want you to notice with me John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. Listen to what the Bible says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become who? Sons of God. Beloved, do you understand what that phrase means? <laughs> Sons of God. 
if you are a son of God, then who is your father? But just in a kidding way, right? Like he's not like really, really your father. Well, you know, I know you say son of a, yeah, you know, but he's not like really, 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 really your father, is he? Is he? Wow. Are you telling me that if you're born again, then God is your father? Oh, wow. Might it be any wonder then why Satan probably comes to you every day and says, come on, man, you're not, <laughs> you're not really a son of God. You're not really a daughter of God. Come on, man. You, do you, you, I know you're a daddy. I know who your father is. The new birth experience is a rare experience, beloved, I believe because many people do not understand what actually takes place in the new birth. You see, when we are born to our regular parents, um, you know, we inherit and we cultivate. We inherit things from them. We just kind of get it. And then we cultivate those things, you know. Over years, we, we practice those things, and we, they grow and strengthen over, year, over, year, over the years. And usually those kind of traits are what kind of traits? They're bad traits. They're bad traits. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to, to Jesus and says, Hey, you know, uh, uh, I know that you're a man of good, that you're a teacher come from God. And, and Jesus cuts to the chase and says, Hey, except you be born again, you cannot enter to the kingdom of God, right? And then he says something that's quite powerful. He says, that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. What does that mean? What does it mean to be born of the flesh? You, you, are, descend, you are a descendant of what? Of flesh. That's what it means. Kind of like, you know, Adam could look at his children and say, flesh of my flesh. Every mother through history has looked at her child, can look at her child and say, this is flesh of my flesh. But then he says here, but that which is born of the Spirit. Oh, man. That which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit, meaning, beloved, that what he's saying is that if you are born of the Spirit, you become a descendant of the Spirit. You see, there are two lines, two lineages, if you will. A lineage of the flesh and a lineage of the Spirit. And we are all, you know, we're in a lineage of the flesh. We picked up things from our mom and our dad, and man, they get on our nerves. Not our parents. I mean, the things that we inherited... <laughs> Because we want, we want to like kind of, man, wouldn't it be nice to just cut ourselves off of all the stuff that has been passed down from generation to generation? 
so that we didn't have all these things inside us that we have to fight against. As Oh, man, it's just, it would be so nice. But God says that if you're born of the Spirit, you are what? Your Spirit. Listen, when Jesus came, whose flesh did he take? Mary's. Mary could look at him and say what? Flesh of my flesh. What does it mean? What kind of flesh did Mary have? <laughs> huh? Human flesh, okay. Did Mary have sinless human flesh? No, she had flesh, sinful flesh. Mary could look at Jesus and say, flesh of my flesh. Meaning, beloved, that Jesus took upon him the very nature that we have. That's what he took from his mother. What did he take from his father? Okay, so he takes from his father this divine nature, and he takes from his mother this totally human, sinful nature. In him, we're told, in fact, let me read it here. Um, Lift them up. Here's what it says, page 76. Was the human nature of the Son of Mary changed into the divine nature of the Son of Christ? No. The two natures were mysteriously blended in one person. The man Christ Jesus. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. She goes on to say in this day with God, page 357, the Lord Jesus took upon him the form of sinful man, clothing his divinity with humanity. But he was holy even as God is holy. If he had not been without spot or stain of sin, he could not have been the savior of mankind. So Jesus takes upon him this sinful human nature. Pause right here. I want to go to something real quick. We're going to come back. Listen, when you're born again, who becomes your father? God. I want you to watch this. Who becomes your mother? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Who becomes your mother? <laughs> if you're born again, you know, you got to have a mother, right? The church. (laughs) You can read that uh, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 26, where Paul says the church is the mother of us all. So let me ask you a question. If your mother is the church and your father is God, then what happened to the lineage of flesh? Are you with me? If, if the church is your mother, if God is your father, then basically, beloved, what we're understanding is that to be born again is God lifting you out of the lineage of the flesh and putting you into the lineage of the spirit. The new birth experience is a rare experience. Have you ever wondered, asked yourself, Hey, how come uh, Jesus didn't have uh, children? 
I mean, yeah, rephrasing. Why didn't Jesus get married and have children? Hmm? Because he was a spirit? He was of the spirit? So is it sinful to marry? No. Here it is, beloved. Jesus did not come to promote the continuance of the flesh. In him, the flesh comes to an end. In him, the flesh, you know, Jesus called himself the Alpha and the Omega. He is the ending of the flesh and the beginning of the Spirit. Beloved, this is what it means to be born again. Jesus says, the, all, you can no longer claim, well, my mom and my dad, they kind of pass this on to me. And so, you know, this is why I've got all these. He says, no, when you're born again, by faith, you've accepted me, me you've accepted my blood. And now I put my divine nature within you. And through that divine nature, you are now free from the condemnation of the flesh. And so Romans tells us that we should walk not after the flesh, but after the what? The spirit. It is the privilege of the children of God to be delivered from the control of the lusts of the flesh. And to preserve their peculiar heavenly character, which distinguishes them from the lovers of the world in their moral taste in their habits and customs, they are separate from the world. Who are the children of God? They are members of the royal family. Review and Herald, August 1, 1893. Do you understand that to claim to be a son of God is to claim that you are in the lineage of the Spirit? What amazing love. Behold, what manner of love that we should be called. See, when John wrote that, he's going, I don't know if you understand. Do you understand what it means to be called a son of God? By the way, who is it that will overcome in the last days? Sons of God. Sons of God. And daughters of God. Listen, beloved, just as in the flesh we inherit things from our parents, so in the spirit we inherit. Do you understand what this means? What does it mean to inherit something from your parents? It means you were born with it. You were born with it. You say, Pastor, are you saying? I want you to know this with me, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 
Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us, how much? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Do you realize that when you are born again, God has given you all things pertaining to godliness? All things. You ever hear somebody say it's in his blood? You know, you got your father's blood. You act just like him. Do you realize that when we're born again, we get new blood? (laughs) So listen then, if Christ's blood is in us, Who are we going to act like by divine nature? Christ. That's why the devil doesn't want you to understand this truth. None need failing of attaining in his sphere to perfection of Christian character. By the sacrifice of Christ, provision has been made for the believer to receive all things that pertain to life and godliness. God calls upon us to reach the standard of perfection and places before us the example of Christ's character. In his humanity, perfected by a life of constant resistance of evil, the Savior showed that through cooperation with with divinity, human beings may in this life attain to perfection of character. This is God's assurance to us that we too may obtain complete victory. Acts of the Apostles, page 531. All things. When you're born again, this is why it is so important to understand. Some people are trying to attain to perfection without having been born again. Oh, man, this is hard. Jesus says, no, die. You die, get fixed to the cross, and I will bring you to life. See, resurrection, beloved, is a thing that only the spirit, you can't resurrect yourself, but you can sure pick up the cross and go die. So we die, and we really die through Jesus' power anyway. And then Jesus says, and I resurrect you. You don't worry about resurrection. Let me worry about resurrection. So gee, God in this new birth gives us everything we need for the perfecting of character. And we might say, in fact, let me read it to you. Faith I live by, page 111. The thought that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, not because of any merit on our part, but as a free gift from God is a precious thought. The enemy of God and man is not willing that this truth should be clearly presented, for he knows that if the people receive it fully, his power will be broken. Did you get that? 
The devil knows that if we understand that the righteousness of God is imputed to us, inherited, if you will, at the new birth, not anything we've done, it was given to us as a gift like a birthright. You see, and, and once we understand that, now God says, listen, you're in a temptation, act like your father. Just act like your father. Why? Because I've given it to you already. Act it out. Cultivate it. This is where we begin the process of sanctification. Saying, okay, God, you have given me righteousness. I believe that by faith. Therefore, I will act upon it. You see, uh, the Bible tells that we must, if we, uh, uh, faith uh, says that we must come to God, believe that he what? He is, and that he is a rewarder of them that, that believe in him. Amen? We must believe that God is, and that he is. That's an interesting term there. He is, and he is. Does that remind you of anything? I am that I am. <laughs> We must believe that God is I am what I am. Now get this, beloved, because if, if Jesus, who said also I am, if Jesus is the I am, and the I am says I want to be in you, then the I am is in you. <laughs> and now you can say with confidence, I am. A child of God. I am loving by his grace. I am kind. I am long-suffering. You are claiming the attributes of divinity by faith. Not am I. I am. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Not, is it finished? <laughs> what did he do? He took out the reason why Jesus had to take sinful human nature in all its fullness is so that he could nail it to the cross. Showing us the result of what it means to be born again and to be in Christ. He didn't take holy flesh and nail it to the cross. He took sinful flesh and said, this is what I can do to your sinful flesh if you let the I am be in you. Amen. The power of self-restraint grows by exercise. That which at first seems difficult by constant repetition becomes habitual and easy until right principles, right actions enter into and become a part of ourselves and through the grace of Christ mold the sinner into a new character. He becomes a new creature in Christ. That which at first seems difficult as we cultivate it becomes natural. 
um, manuscript releases, 20 manuscript releases, page 54. Jesus says, be ye therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In my remaining time, I want to talk to you a little bit about perfection. Because, see, beloved, when we hear that word, we get chills. <laughs> we get scared. I know people who have, who have been diehard, uh, you know, believers in perfection in an incorrect manner and have left the church as a result. If I sin one more time, that's it. And, and that one sin, because, listen to me, and that's just one extreme. And the other extreme is we cannot be perfect. I was talking with someone, someone some time ago, and they said, oh, you know, there's an additional rendering of that uh, Matthew 5, 48, be ye therefore perfect. Um, in the other verse, it says, be ye therefore what? Merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And the person said, you know, I think that I like that better. And I began to think. And I said, hmm. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> How many of you, if you had a choice between being perfect and merciful, which one would you choose? Merciful? How many of you choose, mer choose merciful? That sounds a little bit easier. <laughs> now, I'm just saying, honestly speaking, you know, man, okay, perfect Merciful. Which one you say, I think I'll go with merciful. <laughs> huh? Come on, raise your hand nice and high. Don't be shy. Don't be bad. Merciful. All right? Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Have you tried being merciful lately? <laughs> mm, pretty hard, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if your salvation... Depending upon you being merciful, how many of you think you would make it into heaven? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> Isn't that strange that being merciful now appears to be just as difficult as being perfect? What about loving? I can deal with loving. I'd rather be loving than be perfect. I mean, loving? That's how nice. Loving. Come on. Like, come on, guys. What are you, scared? You're not loving? <laughs> Come on, how many of you say, I'd rather be loving than be perfect? Oh, loving. Can I ask you a question? Have you tried loving your enemy lately? Ooh. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Beloved, you can go down the list of what is described uh, 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 in, the, in the Bible as, as, you know, these attributes of God, being loving, being merciful, being kind, and any one of those things, beloved, outside of the nature, the divine nature of God, it is impossible to be any one of these things. Amen. To be loving is to be perfect. Amen. To be merciful is to be perfect. And none of it is possible without a true conversion from the nature of the flesh to the nature of the spirit. Now, that's for one extreme. Let me deal with this other extreme very quickly. See, other people that get the concept that in order for me to be perfect in the eyes of God, that means that from this day forward, I will never sin again. 
I am perfect forever. Now, beloved, let me tell you something. That is the wrong concept. And let me tell you why. Because in Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. You, you don't get it. He says, deal with, with your character with perfection today. <laughs> don't, don't start, okay, all right, from this day forward. No, he says, deal with today. You can overcome today. Don't get overwhelmed with the future. Deal with today. So now when I begin to think, okay, okay, I've just taken out the scope of eternity out of my, now God just says to deal with today. <laughs> so now, can I hold my tongue by the grace of God today? Man, I, I think by the grace of God, I should be able to do this. <laughs> can, can I not get angry at someone today? Listen to what Ellen White says. This is powerful, beloved. The truth of God. The truth of God received into the heart is able to make you wise unto salvation. In believing and obeying it, you will receive grace sufficient for the duties and trials of today. Listen to this next sentence, please. Grace for tomorrow you do not need. What? Grace for tomorrow. You do not need. You should feel that you have only to do with today. Overcome for today. Deny self for today. Watch and pray for today. Obtain victories in God today. Amen. Testimonies for the church, volume 3, page 333. Whew. Let me give you this last analogy here. I don't have my cell phone on me. Um, can you be perfect today? What does that mean about tomorrow? Can you totally lose your mind tomorrow? Even though you were perfect today? And, and if you were perfect today, but you lost your mind, I mean, just totally just went all out, and then you were like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? And you came back to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me, please. I don't know what I was thinking. The devil got the best of me. Will the Lord restore you into a correct standing with him? Will he say, get up and fight the good fight of faith? I've washed away all your sins. Go and sin no more. I have a blackberry. I hate that blackberry. <laughs> it is the absolute worst cell phone in the world. The blackberry storm. Let me clarify that the new one the one that's supposed to be anyway I'm on my fifth Blackberry in four months okay when I got my Blackberry I um the first time I actually dropped it <laughs> okay and, and when I dropped it you see before I dropped it the phone was working what perfectly I dropped it it broke I sent the phone into the manufacturer they didn't give me a new phone they fixed the phone and sent it back to me <laughs> the phone was again working what perfectly 
Beloved, listen to me. Perfection should not be measured in a matter of weeks and days and years from here on out. That's what made people go, oh, man, I, since I became a Christian, this is my third time sinning. I'm finished. This thing doesn't work. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. God says, worry about today. You can overcome for today. And if, what I just say? If, which indicates that God is able to do what? Keep you from falling. But if, say that word with me, everyone. If you sin, if you fall, Jesus doesn't kick you and say, ah, look at you. Look at you. I thought you said you were perfect. <laughs> no, by his blood, he says, okay, you've messed up. Get up. Get up. I'm going to wipe you off, dust you off. I'm going to say to you, get up and keep walking. You can overcome for today. And this does not give us license to go, oh, okay, then well, I'll just keep sinning every day. I'll sin and repent, sin and repent. That is not God's ideal for us. His ideal is not to have us just keep sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. His ideal is for us to overcome in that day, each and every day. And by the way, if God can do it one day, then guess what? He can do it any other day. And he can do it every day. Amen? Pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. We have only one choice. Be crucified. Be crucified. And be born again. And Jesus says, I will give you grace to overcome for today. You can have total, let me say it clearly in case anyone missed it. You can have total victory. In Jesus Christ over every known sin. That's what God works with, beloved. Every known, if you know to do it and you don't do it, then it becomes what? Sin. God judges you based off of what you know to be right. And he says, look, I have a perfect servant right here. Whatever I says, he does it. That's all perfection is. When I tell him, he does it. He doesn't fight. He doesn't argue. He doesn't debate. He just does it. She does it. There's no debate. There's no war. How many of you would like to be perfect in Christ? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you for taking the sinful human nature, your son taking sinful human nature and nailing that to the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you desire to put an end to the lineage of the flesh in us, to be the omega of the flesh and the alpha of the spirit. Grant us, Lord, victory this day. May we put all our energies into this day. May we overcome for this day, by your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to watch 
and pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.